first coaches panel. Uh, today I have the pleasure of talking with Kristen from I Have ADHD and with Brooke from Coaching with Brooke. Both of these ladies are quite active in their Instagram accounts and um, also active in the coaching community and especially for ADHD. So without further ado, just a quick intro with, I'll start with Kristen. Uh, tell us what, uh, what you do and how you um, help our ADHDers. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here and honor to be included. I work with educated professional adults who have ADHD who are struggling to get from point A to point B. So I would say uh, kind of my niche or area of expertise would be anybody who has a goal in mind that they have been delaying or putting off that they wish they could get done but just can't and helping people um, figure out how to channel their uh, already amazing brain and figure out how to get it done. So I am someone who tries to help people kind of skirt around the idea of motivation and get things done with purpose and determination and a, a lot of discomfort that takes uh, that it takes to get you know all of those things done that we want to get done. Awesome. Brooke, what about you? Thank you, Kathy, and awesome job, Kristen. I, like Kristen, also help people set goals, make sure that they're achievable. I'm an ADHD coach and I help people with their executive functions. And I primarily um, specialize in organization, prioritization, planning, scheduling. I work with all ages. I have a team of people that I work with in my company, Coaching with Brooke, um, but I specialize in uh, teens, college students, and adults. I really enjoy helping them have a more fulfilled week, more fulfilled day, and be intentional with it. Awesome. Such an important thing. So, and, and I'm Kathy, Coach Kathy, and um, I uh, host this show. I also have a podcast, and basically my in, um, focus is working with professionals with ADHD and entrepreneurs. I come from 20 years of corporate experience and have been around that corporate world without knowing that I had ADHD. And uh, only recently in my 40s, I found out about my ADHD, which completely changed my life. And so I help those that are in the professional settings or in their business settings really understand how their brain affects their day-to-day -day activities at work, in business, and also the energy that they have within uh, the way they show up in the world and how they perceive the world. So I work on both the energy side of it and their brain side and bringing the head, the heart and the gut together so that they can move forward with a whole lot of less stress. So that's who we are. With that, let's get to it. I wanna ask a few questions from our coaches with regards to some of the things that, um, that you're seeing as themes that are reoccurring in some of your clients. So what is that one thing that there's this constant theme that comes up um, that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we all can, can talk about time management, <laughs> but one that really stands out for you that, that you're seeing that, that comes up. So Brooke, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. Definitely um, fear of failure mm -hmm. and consistency. And they're definitely connected. Um, so, you know, the ADHD brain is consistently inconsistent. 
Yeah. And we are our own worst enemies thinking that we can't show up daily and push ourselves. So those are the themes that I see my clients overcoming. Why do you think the consistent deceiving? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, it, it's really important, like Kristen was saying, to set achievable goals. Mm -hmm. And um, I work with my clients set SMART goals and people forget about their motivation because when you start a goal, it's exciting, it's shiny, it's new, let's do this. You know, there's all that dopamine flow. And then it's not as exciting, other things come up and you kind of push it to the side. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that sometimes you see results and feel just like in a diet or um, when you're working out, you see the results and you say, oh, all right, I got there. I don't need to be consistent anymore. And then the results are not there anymore quickly. So personally, I've done that. <laughs> I've yeah, and I'm like, okay, I did it. Yay. I, I'm just going to stop for a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And then three years later, I haven't hit the gym yet, which I will soon. <laughs> right, right. So I'm sure we'll get into talking further about how you can stay consistent. Um, but I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of individuals are not, including myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Kristen, what about you? What's that theme that you see throughout? Yeah. So I, I totally agree with Brooke. And I would just add that I think uh, what I see across the board is this expectation that our goals or the things that we want to do during the day should feel good. Like if it's, mm. a, if it's a goal that I want to do, then when it comes up, it should feel good. Like I should feel good about doing it. And since I don't feel good about doing it, then I probably just don't need to do it. Or I probably shouldn't do it. Or I could probably just do it later. And so uh, one thing that I really work with with all of my clients is expecting it to feel uncomfortable, expecting it to feel like you don't want to, you know, but making sure that you develop a tolerance for being uncomfortable. And I think really that is one of the keys is just developing that tolerance for like, hey, it's not gonna feel great, but we already decided we're gonna do this, so let's go do it. I like that. That just speaks volumes because there's this um, expectations we set on ourselves and, and like what you said about that it, it should feel good mm -hmm. and it's, I'm getting like so much coming at me. It's like, so I hear self-compassion in that, right? I hear it's okay, just baby steps, right? It's, it's going back to our childhood. I mean, our children, the way we grew up and, you know, it was one foot of, you know, in front of the other. It wasn't anything, you know, we didn't come out of the womb. Oh, I have to be able to walk tomorrow. You know, it took a process. But then as adults, when we get there, it's like, okay, I need to get this done tomorrow. Yeah which then goes into that perfectionism. Go ahead. And comparison. So, so-and-so yeah. did it in a month, so I should be able to do it in a month. So-and-so did it perfectly, or I perceive it to be perfect, you know? Like, it looks to me like they're doing it perfectly, so I should be able to do it perfectly, rather yeah. than like, I'm on my own journey, it's not gonna be pretty. What we want is it 
it, we want it to feel good right now. But if we have a goal of like running a 5K, it's going to feel good when it's done. That marathon, not the sprint. Yes. And yes. then not to be cliche, but being comfortable and in the uncomfortableness, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But two things come out, which you, you touched on that. Being comfortable in the uncomfortableness and then the comparison thing. That is huge. I, I have clients that are like, well, I want to be like the rest of them. I want to be, I want to grow up, be grown up about this. And I hear those terms. I'm like, what do you mean? Do you think the colleague next door to you is, is any better? Like they make these assumptions and they stick to them for dear life. Totally. I mean, we've all been there, but then we worked on it. So it's just a matter of understanding that. And for me, the theme that comes across um, that I hear, it's uh, the guilt of tired of being tired, right? And feeling guilty about that and not allowing self-compassion, not allowing a justified lazy day and being okay with that, right? That was a lesson I had to learn that when I have a week that's full of stuff to do and by the Monday following I crash, I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. Where it's really understanding your, your Ferrari brain went so fast down the Autobahn that it needs to stop and refuel and all of that stuff, right? Where they feel like there's this guilt and shame that comes with that. And the minute you kind of allow for that. And that's where your mind-body connection must come in in your mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's it's that perception and the energy and, and going from being a victim to it to I'm accepting this right now. Everything is good. I'm just going to relax and Netflix the hell out of my day. And that's just fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting um, that you had mentioned that because I just feel like for a lot of ADHDers, including myself, we have such a challenging time saying no to people, right? We overcommit and sometimes can underdeliver. And when we say yes to everyone in all these plans, we get exhausted. And it, the same thing can happen in our work. Um, so like finding that balance that you were talking about also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, um, being okay with, you know, that fear of missing out, that FOMO that happens, I think it's amplified for people with ADHD because we get so excited about so many things and we want to be doing so many things. And yeah, it's just slowing down and saying, you know, I have 20 things on my list, but I'm only going to get to two. Yeah. And I think that's so important in having it written down. So it's there for you. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, on that note about organization, I'm going to ask you, um, what is one thing that sticks out for you when it comes to organization? So let's say your day organization. And Kristen, let's start with you. Do you mean for me personally or for my clients? It could be for you or your clients. What's one thing that works effectively and you're seeing like, this is foolproof. This is a good one that I want to teach everybody or share with everyone. Oh, that's so cute because I mean, if I had foolproof methods for adults with ADHD, I think I'd be a millionaire, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think the foolproof thing is 
never, ever, ever, ever expect your brain to hold the information, the reminder, the appointment, or the thing you want to do. Yes. It has to be written down and it, it really has to be written down all in the same place because if it's not in one consistent place, then you'll have, you'll double book yourself because you'll write things down in different areas. So I love to use Google Calendar. I encourage my clients to use it. You can create different calendars for different people in your family or different, you know, my work calendar, my fun calendar, whatever, but it all coordinates, it's color coded. Um, I know we all want like the fancy app or the best planner or like, you know, just like give me the thing that's gonna be amazing, but honestly, it really is just putting it all down in one place and uh, never expecting your brain to hold that information for you. Mm -hmm. But Kristen, when I was younger, I was able to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just got to accept reality and stop fighting against it. And what I, I just actually talked to a client about this before our call is that um, I think that most humans, most successful humans do write everything down. They schedule everything. Neurotypical people do this. All successful people do this, but we do not like rules and we do not like constraint and we do not like to feel like we have to do something. And so for someone with ADHD to have to write something down, we balk against that. We are just like, oh no, I don't have to. Like I'm the exception to the rule. And it's like, nope, nobody is exempt from that. Yeah, and it's almost like they want to, we want to challenge ourselves and see, let's see if I can remember it today. Totally. Right? It's like a little internal war you have with yourself. Until the war is over, and then you make, and you forget about certain appointments, and then you're like, oh, again? <laughs> I've done a lot of double booking. I've gone to places where I'm like, oh, where's this event? Uh, it's not till tomorrow. Hmm embarrassing and then I sit in my car so angry with myself totally Totally. yeah so what about you Brooke I would have to agree with Kristen I mean the only thing that I would like to add to what she's saying is I also love Google Calendar however the busier I become I realize that Google Calendar is not enough for me So something I have done when I was working as a special ed director, I would actually print out my Google calendar Mm -hmm. and see the appointments for the week or for the day, just so it's visible um, and I can write some notes on it. Now I use my Google calendar and I use a planner. Mm -hmm. The reason why I use a planner is because it's it's becoming too crowded on my phone. Mm -hmm. And- um, But to your point, Kristen, you know, if you, <laughs> if you write it down in two places, then you got to be very careful yeah. because I, I'm just getting used to the two places thing yeah. and you can forget to take something off of one place yeah. and you can have it down another place. So you got to double down on that. So um, I would say definitely making sure everything is written down, like Kristen said, always having some sort of like notepad with you, whether it be on your phone or a small little jot pad Um, and kind of going off of that point even further, making sure that you check your schedule, check it every day, multiple times a day and make sure you take a look at the day ahead. Yes. 
Don't get lazy with it. Yes. And then even taking some time on Sunday nights or Monday mornings to really plan out your week will help you figure out what you can prioritize each day. Um, and I do recommend trying to get, you know, one to three things done that are priorities during the day and circling the number one thing. And like you said, Kathy, if it's not interesting, or Kristen said it, but we all were talking about it, if it's not interesting, sometimes we just don't want to do it. Um, but circling that thing, even if it's a call and getting that done, the first thing that you do during the day, and that's like Brian Tracy, eat that frog, right? Mm -hmm. So not only just scheduling your appointments, but prioritizing three tasks, one that's uncomfortable that you've been putting off for a while. Mm -hmm. wow. And I, I love how, so I'm going to third the Google calendar. So that's the three of us now. Um, you know, there's a bullet journal. There's uh, another journal that I saw recently where you kind of itemize everything and then you bring it in for the week and then you kind of plan as you need it. The planner pad? Yeah, it, I think that's what it's called. Remember yeah. Leaving me? This one? Yeah. Every single type of planner notes in there. I know you do. <laughs> Yeah, you put your top 10 things over, or you put your top, and then you bring it down and bring it down, and then your appointments are over here. So I actually I really like this. Yeah. I'm actually switching from the passion planner to the planner pad, which I had in 2019. Yeah, and I saw that recently. I'm like, oh, this is a good a company with, with Google Calendar, because with Google Calendar, I'm visual, and I, I time block, so I need to see them in chunks. Literally even like driving from one session to another or going from one event to the other event. I remember working with a coach where she's like, Kathy, you got to write down everything that you do that day. Like even cooking a meal, having lunch, whatever it is, put it all in there. So reality will show you how many hours you have in a day, right? Because a lot of times, especially for some of us who work from home or have our own businesses, we're like, oh my God, the whole day went by. What did I do today? You did a lot of things, but it may not have been the things you wanted to do, but I'm sure you had a day of work, right? And I was living with that guilt for a while of, well, I'm not being productive. But what it was, was I was seeing, oh, maybe that day I had childcare appointments. I had personal appointments. So it wasn't business day, but it was a day of getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. So time blocking for me is really important. And um, I, I talk about the, the book, The One Thing book also. Oh, oh good. Where, yeah, and, and I mean, this is something that they've taught in their system, the Keller Williams Re uh, Real Estate um, Organization. And it is truly get the one thing done. And I notice on the days where I do two or three big things that day, I am depleted for two days after it. Mm -hmm. I really feel like it takes me 48 hours to recover, especially on a day where I have to be in front of public. So yeah. if I'm doing networking, if I'm doing public speaking. So if, if, if for those that are watching, if you're going in places where it's too much stimulation, too many things going on, know that you need to recoup from that. As much as some of us are, um, I call myself a, expressive introvert i'm actually an introvert not an extrovert people may disagree with me but yeah i need to go away then to recharge because it just takes everything out of me it's called that introvert hangover right absolutely yeah 
yeah, it's a big one. So, um, so yeah, so that, that's great. So I like how we all validate the Google Calendar. Oh, and one thing I remember one of my mentors told me, when the system doesn't work for you anymore, then you need to sparkleize it. You need to come up with a new thing. So for a while I had sticky notes that were shape of butterflies. And that was my thing. I was, I had like butterflies everywhere. Um, but then I started to not see them anymore. So I was like, oh, I was missing my to-dos because my brain got used to them just being there all the time. So moving things around, moving calendars around, moving day timers around, just so that you're reprogramming your brain to, to come at it a different way. Can I, can I build on that real quick? Mm -hmm. Casey Dixon talks about macro changes, which is exactly what you're talking about. And it increases your productivity because you're right, like we get bored and changing one thing around, whether it be your setting. You know, maybe if you love working in your office, maybe you need to shift it to a coffee shop. Like just changing one thing. And then, like you said, maybe the Google Calendar for you isn't exciting anymore. So you gotta switch it over to um, a planner pad or something like that. But yeah, those micro changes definitely happen. Then you could always go back too. Yes. Like, not exciting anymore. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so I have. Yeah, yeah. So um, next one is on a personal note. Um, what is the actually, yeah, what is the one thing personally that you're still kind of, well, I mean, I know we have different things, <laughs> but the one thing you want to share with this audience, because none of us is perfect. We always come up with, oh shit, there's this new thing I got to work on now. <laughs> so um, mine was like my, you know, health and wellness physically recently. That was my wake up call. But what's the one thing, um, Kristen, that, that you're working on these days? So for me, one of the things that has become very clear to me is that, uh, we only ever take action out of the way that we're feeling. And I've always, always thought of myself as someone who is really not in tune with her emotions at all. Um, so what I'm working on is recognizing and naming the emotions that I'm feeling and noticing how when I'm feeling like a failure, I procrastinate. When I'm feeling like, you know, a badass, I get a ton of stuff done. And when I'm feeling sad, I want to eat and drink. And when I'm feeling um, maybe angry, I want to storm around the house and like avoid people and avoid my work. So I'm really trying to be extremely mindful of the exact emotions that I'm feeling in the moment and then deciding on purpose if that is the way that I want to feel. So sometimes, you know, we have so many thoughts and our thoughts create our feelings. Mm -hmm. And uh, as someone with ADHD, it's very hard for me to process all of the thoughts that are coming into my brain, right? So there's a lot of thoughts that I'm having that are causing emotion. And I don't even know why I'm feeling this way. Like, why am I in such a bad mood? I have no idea. So like, really trying to get very specific about like the thought feeling connection and then how each feeling is driving action or inaction. And I, I think this is like the key to the universe and I'm, I'm trying to like really work on it in myself and then teach it to my clients because 
um, we spend so much time in victim mentality, in failure mode, in, um, you know, in all of these modes that are kind of like default programming for us that we don't even realize we're just kind of like stuck there. And then we wonder like, why am I avoiding? Why am I not able to get stuff done? So I think if we can, for me personally, like hacking into my feelings and no longer believing the story that I'm not someone who yeah. feels emotion. Like I, I'm totally someone who feels emotion and rewriting that for myself as like, okay, um, I'm learning and I'm discovering what anger feels like in my body before I express it out and like get mad at people and throw stuff around, right? Like first, what does it feel like? What does it even look like in my body? Where does it go? What, what is it like? What is the sensation? What's the vibration for me in my body? And then like processing that before I immediately react and take action. So that's like big. It's hard. It's huge because there's also in that heat of the moment, you know, that power of the pause to be able to do all of that within seconds. Yeah. That's yeah. Good on you for taking it on. <laughs> but the key is, like, I have a coach that I work with, and processing that afterwards is the first step, right? Like, you can't start by trying to process it in the moment, right? You have to process. You have to. You have to do it. You have to explode, and then a day later, after you're like settled down, talk to the coach and be like, okay help me to process this and then kind of go back and rewrite the story. And then what I find is uh, the next time I'm a little bit closer and then a little bit closer and a little bit like I make steps each time I do it quote unquote wrong. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong. It's just like the default, like yeah. what's happening naturally. Um, but then I process it and I, and I really uh, become more intentional and managing my thoughts and understanding my emotions. And it just gets so that that space is created, but it doesn't happen automatically. And this is why working with a coach, one of us or someone else, it doesn't matter, find a coach. They can really talk you through and help you to process um, it after the fact and then slowly you can get closer and closer and closer and then to the point where you're like I'm angry I'm gonna go be angry for a little while mm -hmm. and not react to it yeah so so important um, on so many levels yeah and I, I think it's it's we all go through it on daily basis right I mean totally. whether we're moms or wives or in, in a place of work, wherever it is, this, it's reality of life. And for those of us who are hypersensitive to things, who take things to heart, um, can't deal with sarcastic people, um, like it, it all kind of comes, you know, totally floods in. And you, you remind me that there's a, there's a model I learned in my initial coach training program where there's the seven levels of energy where at the very core it's it's your victim to everything everything around you it's why me why did this happen and i talk about it in my um instagram account and in my podcast where you know why is this happening whoa me and at that victim you're so um immobilized you're not doing anything about anything so mm -hmm. depression kicks in rumination kicks in and then as you go up the stages 
there's this level of compassion. So level four is, is, is about compassion and understanding and wanting to not only help yourself, but everyone around you. And at six, there's opportunities. But to get there and through our days and hours throughout the day, these energy levels go up and down, up and down, depending on our activities, right? But wouldn't it be cool to just be so aware of it that within a split second, you know, and, and like you said, and there's a bit of cognitive behavior therapy in that, right? Like, what's the thought I'm having? What's the emotion? What's the action? Is it serving me well? Is it not? Move forward, right? And um, that's so cool when you also do that with a coach. And like you said, so one of the things is, you know, why coaching? And, and let me park aside for a second the title of a coach. Why working with someone who understands these things, whether it's a therapist, the psychologist, whatever it is, the way they ask you those questions, it's not the same as your friend would ask you, your mom would ask you. They are trained, we're trained to ask you these questions that are so empowering to yourself that you're like, holy shit. Like, I love it when a client takes a complete pause for like yes. a minute and a half. I'm like, that's a good question. <laughs> oh yeah, because they're, and, and, and what we do, we're trained to help them and we don't talk. You leave them silent, you let them process it. And that doesn't happen every day with everybody around you, right? Everybody wants to jump in, give you advice, get in your thing. But imagine doing that self-reflection that Kristen talked about and you do it with a person that allows you to do it. And then your inner self comes up with that wisdom of like, okay, it's my fault. Or, okay, I understand where this came from. And owning your own shit. The other day I posted on Instagram, right? There's this little kid, he's stuck behind the door. And there's this commentary, this, this guy is like, honey, you're not stuck. Open the door. And the kid is like freaking out because he thinks he's stuck. And he's like, sweetie, you're not stuck. The kid comes out oh, I want to be stuck again, closes the door on himself. And he's stuck again, like, what? We do that to ourselves, right? And you just said, Kristen, is we hold the story and we just want to hold on to it for a little bit longer and a little bit longer and till you either make a choice. And I see some of the comments on Instagram and I mean this with, with absolute compassion. When I see comments around, Whoa, me, my ADHD, it's limiting me. Oh, I had another day. Like, I get it, hugs and, and lots of virtual hugs. But there's a point that there is so many of us that are saying, okay, F this, I'm moving forward. It cannot take control of me anymore, right? And when you see so many successful people doing this with their ADHD brain, like, why can't you be one of them? Totally. End of rant there. I just got emotional on that topic. I loved it. It was amazing. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, it's people like us that are there to help. There's, there's no anything gimmicky on this. I think part of the reason some of us became coaches is we were able to help ourselves and then say, oh, shit, this shit works. And also, like, I will have a coach for the rest of my life because I think... They're just needed. I mean, I need that mentorship. I need that guidance that you can't get that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, Brooke, anything you want to add to this heated conversation that I created? Yes, I do. I want to just point out some of the things that Kristen said, because in um, learning about coaching as well, something, an activity that I um, have learned is to learn your story, like you said, and figure out what your ego is and when it is showing up for you. 
and then try to catch it in the moment. So like maybe my ego is um, related to something in my past where I failed, right? So when that fear of failure happens, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to react a certain way. It's stopping me from doing what I need to do to move forward. So I have to catch it and realize that it's related to my past and I'm not being present. So um, it, acknowledging that and saying, okay, what are my possibilities? So these are my possibilities. I'm able to be organized. I'm able to be successful. I'm able to be blah, blah. And your possibilities can change all the time. You know. Also, love the 24-hour rule. Because Kathy, like you said, you know, we can be hypersensitive, we can be um, not enjoying sarcasm. And sometimes we ruminate and sometimes we have that rejection sensitivity disorder. And um, is this real? So when you're feeling this way, is this a fact? Did this actually happen? So separating your story and the facts and then waiting to come back to it 24 hours later and see if it still is something that bothers you. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I also, um, one thing that I've been trying to do is when I'm feeling chaotic for whatever reason, and I feel like I'm losing things around me, I won't look for it. Because I say to myself, if I'm feeling this way, I'm just going to be stressed and I'm going to be trying to do something or losing something, like looking for something for way longer than once I calm down and I come back to it a day later, it's, I, I'm just so much more clear to me where I left something or what I need to do with something. So not acting when you are emotional and things are chaotic around you. Take mm-hmm. because your brain is in that fight or flight, so you can't even think straight. No, and people get so stressed out. I work on this with my clients. Like they are searching everywhere. Um, they're getting stuck in the physical space. Get out, change your environment, do something different, and know that you can come back to it tomorrow. Yeah, the interruption, the pattern interrupt. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors was talking about that, and that was. I had this profound aha last week around uh, the reoccurrence of overwhelm in times of when things are good, right? And that happened to me over the holidays. Everything was going so good, but I had so many ideas about how, what I wanted to do. Like this was one of those ideas and so many things that I got so overwhelmed because I was like, okay, how do I get all of this done? And naturally, and, and without even knowing, like the next day I woke up and I went and cleaned out my pantry. Mm. And he goes, you know what you just did there? I'm like, oh, I interrupted the pattern. And, and that's what it was, is cleaning out that pantry was almost like a, this bit of a metaphor of me organizing my brain. Yeah. So the next time I get overwhelmed, I do something completely different also. So it's my new thing that I'm like, okay, this, you know, some of this stuff is we do them without knowing that we're doing them. Some of these hacks. And it's nice when somebody kind of brings it up and says, this is actually a thing you should be doing and continue to do. I love it. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, Brooke, for that. I'm sorry. I just wanted to share one more thing that you said. Um, I think it's really cool that you said, like, not taking your feelings of, oh, I got to do everything at once, right? Because I'm feeling really good. I need to plan, like, these huge, um, big events, right? And then crash, 
that was actually something that I was going to bring up before um, Kristen brought up what she said, like not over scheduling, like let's be realistic for a second. Yeah. Step back. Yeah. And not to aim for perfection. Like this call here today, by the time it goes live and it gets published, uh, people are like, oh, when was this even scheduled? How did I miss it? It's something that I intentionally wanted to do privately and record it and then publish it afterwards. Um, so, so, you know, just letting go of perfection and just doing one at a time, which has been my thing is I've had a hard time with that because for me, my perfection came from taking the first step perfectly. It wasn't the process, but it was the first step. Am I doing it in a perfect way? And that helped helped me back from starting a lot of projects. So now I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to go in, whatever happens, technology crashes, then so be it. So ladies, um, any parting um, advice, comments, thoughts that you want to leave our listeners, our audience with? Kristen, did you want to go or? Sure. Okay. Um, so I, if I could communicate one thing, it would be that every human has the capacity to change. Every single human. And I think that that is so amazing. I've worked with people um, in my day job where, uh, you know, they're cognitively so low and yet still able to make changes. So I believe one million percent in the idea of neuroplasticity and in the ability to for all human brains to make changes so if you're feeling um like you keep seeing the same patterns in your life and you don't think you'll ever be able to get out of them or make progress i know that you can and part of that is just taking the first step imperfectly like you said kathy and you know finding someone to help you. And it might not be the perfect someone that's going to be walking next to you for the rest of your life, but at least getting that ball rolling of getting the support, uh, making sure that you're being treated, and then just really believing in your ability to make changes. I think that's huge. I think so many of us and uh, just adults with ADHD in general feel so stuck and feel so um, at the at the effect or at the mercy of our ADHD brains and with the right treatment, with the right support, and with that like uh, willingness to feel discomfort, um, everyone, every single human can make progress. And so, uh, I don't know, there's my spiel. I just want to say like, you can do it. You can totally do it. It could be with one of us. It could be with someone else. Like just go get the support that you deserve. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Just do it. Just do it. Yes. Brooke, what about you? I have to agree with Kristen. Just get that support and, and do it. Don't ruminate about it. Pick someone yeah. and it's never going to be the perfect person. Mm -hmm. Be open to the change. And like you said, if it's a coach, if it's a therapist, if it's a friend, if it's a parent, whatever, get that support and don't do the analysis paralysis, just accept it and be open to the change and, and be present. Um, and make sure in the journey you're writing things down so you always know to come yeah. to it. 
Yes. Circle back around to that one because that one's important. <laughs> yes, it is. This thing can only hold four sticky notes at a time. Totally. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's true. Is the one of the reasons I think the the first step could be so scary is because we're already attached to the outcome and what we think it's going to come out the other end is, oh, am I going to be able to implement the things I learned? Am I going to be able to keep up with the coaching and all of that? Who cares? Just get in there, put your feet in the water. <laughs> you know, it's what's the worst that could happen. And the reason all three of us are saying that is we've been there, we've done that. And we took that risky part of us because a lot of us are risk takers and you have that in you. So take a risk. What's the worst that could happen? Nothing, something great. You move forward, you say the hell with it. I'm not even ADHD, you could go back in denial and all of that, that stuff, but at least you did something. So I hope this was useful to our audience and you picked up different nuggets. And I love chatting with my ladies. This was great. So until next time and see who else is going to show up in this panel. It could be the same panel. It could be others. Uh, we, shall, we shall see you again. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy.